Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Now onto the show. Hi everyone, it's Shay here. If you are looking for a space online where you can find full-length yoga practices to move your body, creative exercises, art journaling, journal prompts, meditations to help you connect back to yourself, and a little bit of understanding about yoga philosophy and how and why it works, plus a whole lot of tutorials, tips, and exercises to help you live a creative, inspired, and healthy life, you can head over to members.shaydaya.com. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Kombucha and Color. Today I'm Shay and I have the lovely Anna with me and we are diving into a really juicy topic and to be honest I feel a little bit unprepared for this topic because there's a lot of, how can I say it? Emotional uh, charge. Yes, there's a lot of emotional charge around what we're going to talk about today. And there is the possibility for perhaps me to use the wrong language or to maybe cause offense to people. And I'm totally putting it up front that uh, that is in no way my intention with what we're going to talk about today. But we just want to bring this conversation up because we think it's important to have. So today we are going to be talking about body image. Welcome, Anna. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, just to reiterate what Shay said is that we've actually spoken about having an an episode on body image a few times, and I think we've kind of almost just shied away from it a little bit. Maybe you can hear my cat howling in the background again, Um, but we've kind of shied away from it just because we we don't want to offend anyone. And yeah, but I think we've we've got a little bit of our fire chakra going. We're feeling a little bit confident. So today we're going to dive in and explore this topic. Awesome. So I wanted to get a basic kind of understanding of what body image is specifically. And what I came up in the research and kind of digging up that I did about this was that body image is a person's perception of the aesthetic of their body or of their physical self. And it also was a perception of how sexually attractive they believe themselves to be. And there were four different main components that fall, that fell under this body image category. So the first was a perceptual body image. So that was kind of how you see yourself. And the second one was how what you feel about your body image. So that's your affective body image. So that's whether you are feeling satisfied or dissatisfied with your body, kind of how you feel about yourself in the moment. Then um, how you think about your body. So that's your cognitive body image. And that can lead you to feeling kind of obsessed about weight or size or body shape. And, and then it's the behaviors that you engage in because of a result or as a result of um, what you think about your body. So, you know, do you shy away from being in social situations because you are feeling uncomfortable or dissatisfied? That's the affectual body image. Or do you kind of go to the gym and work out super, super hard because you have a perception that is perhaps an incorrect body, perce- body image perception about how you look? 
so yeah, there's 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 a lot that can, I think that can be unpacked about this, and and it's it's a lot more than just a physical thing. It's it's really about the emotional and mental well being and health that you have. So. Again, health is not just this thing that exists purely on a physical plane, but it's also something that is internal as well. So I think that's kind of the angle that we're going to be approaching this as on from a very holistic point of view. Um, and both of us have that kind of understanding of it from a very holistic point of view, I'd say. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that definition or the different definitions of body image, because there's a little tool that I teach my clients in my program. And I've done some free training for my grounded goddess community, where we look at something which is called someone's model of the world. And our model of the world is basically how we are deleting and digesting and distorting information. So the first thing is, is we experience the world through our senses. So in the case of body image, it might be, you know, what are we seeing when we look in the mirror? But we're getting so many billion bits. I think it's 2.4 billion bits of information every single second, which we then we don't have enough sensory processing to process all that information. So what the body does, it will delete, distort, and generalize that information based on our internal processing. So basically what we're thinking and what we're feeling. So if, we, if we're not feeling good about ourselves and we're looking in the mirror, we're going to process information differently than maybe if we've just done a run and we've eaten a salad and we're feeling like we're a really healthy person. So we process information differently depending on how we feel. And then because of how we feel, we then generate behaviors. So if we're feeling good and then we're perceiving information, you were like looking in the mirror and go, oh yeah, I feel really good about my body. And then we are likely to create more behaviors to repeat more of the same. But then if we're not feeling good and we're seeing the exact same body, we might go, oh, no, this is awful. This is not good. Is that a motorbike going past your house, Shay? Um, it is indeed. <laughs> so we're going and um, we're going, oh, you know, like I'm not feeling good. I don't like what I see. And that can, in some people, depending on their wiring, then create unhelpful behaviors, which then exacerbate how we feel. Because if we're not treating ourselves well, we don't feel well, irrespective of how our body looks. So I love that your definition has included those different elements, but it's also important to understand how they all kind of interrelate with one another. And sometimes what we have to do if we're wanting to shift maybe our body image to a more positive light, it's not necessarily about changing the body. It's changing what we think and what we feel so that we, we change our behaviors, which then has a positive impact on how we think and how we feel. 100%. And you know, that physiology explanation of how the body's feeling is 100% the science and the physiology behind law of attraction. Because what you're thinking and feeling about is what generates that perception of the world around you. And then that's what attracts it because you are taking action and behavior towards whatever it is that you're thinking and feeling about. So that is the science of law of attraction, basically, from a physiological point of view. So yeah. And so then one of the questions that I write down is then does it actually even matter what the body looks like? And this is this could maybe be a little bit of a controversial question, but if it's more about what we're thinking, what we're feeling and maybe how we're behaving, are we behaving 
towards ourselves and others in a, in a loving way, does it matter what the body looks like? When we decided last week to do this topic, the first thing I did is well, I asked Warren and I said, do you think that you can look at a person and tell whether they are healthy or not based purely on the size of the person, right? So that's, that's I think, we're shying away even from talking about like size, but that is kind of what we're talking about when we generalize about body image, I guess. And that's largely to do with the media and what we've been portrayed as this is normal versus this is the covers of magazines and how that is distorted based on what we are sensorily sensorily digesting, um, if that makes sense. You can use that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm going to make up my own things. But what he said is, is also very true. And he said, you know, it's not necessarily the case, but there's often a lot of other markers that arise from sort of overweight people that are then more indicative of poor health. So, you know, like low mobility or, you know, pale skin, pallid skin, you know, dull eyes, like that sort of thing. And and those often, unfortunately, go hand in hand with sort of the bigger body types, but not necessarily all the time. And that's not necessarily to say that one is a marker of the other, if that makes sense. And equally so, you could have someone who is maybe according to society's norms within a healthy body weight range or body size range, but they could also have pale skin, mm-hmm. poor mobility, you know, eyes which look dull and, you know, like turned off. And we, we can see these in all different shapes and sizes. But I've been doing a little bit of research recently because I'm preparing for my next round of Grounded Goddess and I'm, re- I'm reproducing a lot of the content because I want to make it yummy and delicious and really dive deep into everything. And actually yesterday I was producing the content on the root chakra. And the root chakra is the base chakra in the chakra system, which are the, the series of energy centers that move up the sort of central spinal column. And the root chakra is associated with the body. It's almost like the physical connection to the earth. And therefore, you know, when I was learning about the root chakra, they talk about what are the signs that somebody has a balanced root chakra. And it might be that their self-care is good and they're taking care of their body. And so sometimes when I think about, you know, when we ask this question, does it matter what a body looks like? Maybe it's a clue. So it's a clue to what else might be going on in terms of that person's health, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And when I did my neurostrategies training with Steve Linder last July, and we did a little episode on that, he would ask us questions like, what does it mean if somebody comes to see you and they only give one word answers on your consultation form? And then, you know, people would be like, you know, they're not taking it seriously. They're not open. They're not ready to communicate. They're not ready to change. You know, those would maybe be some of the assumptions that we would make if somebody doesn't look like they're putting in an effort on your form. But it might be this person communicates better in conversation or this person was in a rush and they, they wanted to get the form in on time. There are many different meanings. So he always used to say, Whenever he asks us these various questions, he's always just used to say, it, it's, it's a dot. And basically what we're looking at when we're, we're looking at people is we're just looking at a series of dots and we're looking to connect these dots to build a bigger picture of what's going on. So when we're looking at someone's body, we're looking for the dots and we're looking for, you know, if somebody is maybe, you know, a, a larger 
larger in size, but we can see that their, you know, their their hair is well groomed and their nails are, you know, they don't they're not chipped or peeling and they don't have the little white lines which can indicate zinc deficiency on them. And they may be taken a little bit of effort in their appearance. We can say, oh, you know, we've got a lot of dots there to show that this person is taking care of their body, which is a reflection on not only their physical health, but also on their mental and emotional health. So does it matter what a body looks like? It depends on the series of dots. Yeah, I think that's so true. And and that goes to this broader topic of body image in relation to well-being. So well-being being, you know, that state of being really comfortable, really healthy and really happy. So you could have somebody who's perhaps, you know, on the on the lower end of the average scale, you know, really really skinny but they really sort of berating themselves in their heads and they're kind of having this talking to constant um, negative chatter in their heads, is that person less or more healthy than somebody who is perhaps on the larger end of the scale? And it's about not just what the body looks like, but how that person is relating to themselves. Um, There was actually a, a list of recommendations from the NHS that five different things that you can do to increase your well-being. And as I was going over these, I realized how many of these actually relate so much to yoga and how yoga can really help us bring a sense of well-being to ourselves. And maybe Anna and I, we can chat afterwards about how yoga has perhaps shifted our body image because I think there's there's plenty of story that can that can really reestablish this understanding for us. But and the five things that the NHS recommend was number one, to connect with others and develop relationships and nurture relationships, um, you know, your, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. But then from a yoga perspective, I think that it also relates to how you connect to yourself. And yoga provides the space for you to be able to sit and really truly connect with yourself. It's not often that we get time to be able to be in a, in a movement class or a practice or at home or doing a self-practice or following a video online that we can sit and feel how does my body feel today? How is my breathing today? How is my headspace today? So that connection, I think, is important to connect with other people for sure. But I think also the first step of that is the connection that you have with yourself. So that was the first thing. The second thing is being active, which we know in the yoga practice, the asana practice is 100% about being active. So, you know, what are you doing to, you know, elevate your heart rate, get out, get, get walking, get breathing, get your heart rate up, that kind of thing. The third one was keep learning, which was an interesting one as a state or as one of the, the markers of well-being. Um, but that also relates to one of the niyamas in the yoga practice, which we spoke about last week about these, you know, these ethical concerns considerations and these things, the way that we observe ourselves. And um, one of the niyamas is svadhyaya, which is self-study. So continuously studying, continuously learning, continuously evolving and and challenging yourself and, and keep growing. And funny, Anna, before we got into the chat, we were talking about identity and kind of the identity shifts that we go through and as we learn, we walk on the spiritual path and how it kind of shakes us up a bit. And this book that I'm currently reading by Mark Manson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, he was saying how he believes that we should never know ourselves. You know, there's so much in the yoga world and the spiritual world about know yourself, um, find a connection to yourself, I'm going to find myself. And he says, don't ever find yourself. Don't ever, ever find yourself. Don't ever identify with any kind of particular person because then you will always feel like you have to cling on to that identity or that mm-hmm. kind of identity then kind of 
contains you. There's no room for growth or change. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's basically, he flips everything really on its head in that book. But a lot of it is what I already believe, but he just comes at it from a completely different angle and perspective. So it's a quite interesting read for anyone who hasn't read it. But yeah, this idea of continuous evolving and, and learning and growing, I think is so important for us to maintain that comfortable, healthy, happy state of being. And then the fourth one was give to others, um, which I think is, you know, the more you have this idea of heart opening and the yoga practice, the more naturally you just want to give back to others. And then the fifth was be mindful, which is, again, this this idea of meditation, slowing down, being present with what you're doing, coming back into the now, not, you know, hassling about things that have been in the past or worrying about stuff that's coming in the future, but just being mindful and present with where we are. I yeah. just want to say well done NHS. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's set of recommendations and yeah. clearly the yogis know something. Yes, exactly. And that's why it's so, it's so interesting to me because so much of what we are discovering in Western science now has been proven, has been used by yogis thousands and thousands of years ago. And it's like the Western world is just catching up now and going, oh yes, these things are actually really important. <laughs> the yogis are, yes, no, we know. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying. To yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Many of my clients are looking for ways they can optimize their health through the power of food. I often supercharge their lifestyle with green tea to support them with everything from weight loss to hormonal balance to skin conditions to immune function. As a green tea lover myself, I love that Emerald Matcha is ceremonial grade and approved by the UK Organic Food Federation. Anna has always talked about the health benefits of green tea but I never really found one that I truly liked. After I tried a sample of Emerald Matcha's high-quality green tea, hand-picked from the very best farms in Japan, I thought, this is definitely a green tea I can get excited about. As a small business owner, it feels really great to support other small, family-owned businesses, and especially one with such a high emphasis on customer service. I'm so excited to bring green tea into my daily routines as an antioxidant face mask for my skin, putting it into my smoothies, and making matcha vegan ice cream. Kombucha and Color are delighted to be partnering with Emerald Matcha Green Tea. Place your order and grab all the health benefits by searching for Emerald Matcha, that's Emerald Matcha, on amazon.co.uk. You can use the discount code kombucha15 for 15% off. Um, so on that um, sort of topic of being well or, or building more wellness into your life, I thought it might be interesting to open a little bit of a discussion about what we perceive health to be. Because I know, especially if you're playing the whole social media, Instagram game, there's a lot of controversy. I think you you get a lot of these plus size models who are sort of promoting, I guess, maybe being overweight or over fat or whatever the, the more politically correct terminology is as, as being okay. And, and then maybe people saying that it's not okay. And, you know, it's kind of like a hot topic. It's quite controversial because some people might say, well, this is promoting obesity. This is promoting poor health. Whereas other people are saying, you know, we need to embrace all bodies and um, everybody comes in a different shape and size. And so my thoughts on this specifically is kind of, I kind of touched on it already, but when we're looking at health, we're, we're looking at the physical body. So is the physical body healthy? 
And there you already mentioned things like mobility, like the ability to move. But not only that, like I'm just thinking, you know, functional medicine, are your hormones good? Is your digestive system good? You know, have you got any inflammatory conditions, anything going on in your skin? You know, is your hair looking healthy and shiny? Are your nails growing appropriately? They're not flaking and chipping and peeling. You know, all of these different things can all be markers of health. But in addition to that, mentally, are you well? Like, do you feel good? Do you feel happy throughout the day? Are you able to engage with people and have healthy relationships and, you know, not you know, struggle with anxiety or, or struggle to form bonds with other individuals. And then there's this idea of the spirituality, which is sometimes a bit of like an uncomfortable topic for people, probably not people who listen to this podcast, but <laughs> the, the other people, uh, not you guys. Mm-hmm. And um, but spirituality is just really about being connected to something bigger than you whatever that may be. And I think this is where the, those NHS guidelines come in about this, like being mindful, connecting with others, giving back, looking to grow. It's all of these things just give us something which is bigger and outside of ourselves, which could be linked back with spirituality. So if someone is, you know, by definition, obese, but their body is well and their mental health is well, and their spiritual connection is good does it matter what size they are what do you think from a from a nutritional from a functional medicine point of view I mean, I think we live in a world where so many people are unhappy. And, you know, I work with women who are very much the kind of normal in inverted commas size who still have hangups about food and exercise and what they should eat and shouldn't eat and how much exercise they should and shouldn't do. And I I mean, I really believe that someone can hand on heart say like, look at my biomarkers, they're good. I feel happy every day. I feel fulfilled in my life yeah, maybe I'm not sub 25 BMI or whatever it should be. But then I'd be like, you go, you go, sister. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with the the amounts of unhappiness and pain and hardship and struggle and challenge in this world, if someone can like have all of those things, I think that's an incredible achievement or an incredible way of being. Yeah, that's, that's very true, actually. Because there was what you were talking about, you know, social media and how body image is portrayed on the media. And so often we have these really skinny models that are on covers of magazines. And Tess Holliday, who is a, I think she's size 24 um, model, who's on the front of this magazine. And there was lots of outcry about it, you know, that's saying that, you know, they're now promoting obesity. And I would argue that I understand that viewpoint because she's not necessarily in the average range of people. She is on the, she's, I would say outside the, the, the average range. So were cosmopolitan doing it more as a shock value to kind of, you know, entice sales because, wow, this is shocking um, compared to what they usually would post on the covers versus just posting someone who's in the average range. So I don't know, there's, there's, but, but and on to, to your point is that Tess Holiday is completely, you can see, she's just doesn't give a shit about what anybody thinks about her. She is really happy in herself and she's just connected to herself as all these things. She's, you know, she, she says she's active and she's, she's got happiness. So yeah, who, who are we to say that, um, that it, it's more or less depend, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. And what I thought might be helpful is also to talk a little bit about how can people improve their body image? Because let's face it, for women, I think it's it's a challenge. I shared on the previous episode a little bit about you know being on the yoga teacher training where a lot of the other women on the training were much more yogic in terms of their body type and again yogic stereotype in terms of their body type compared to my body which is maybe like a little bit bigger a little bit more muscular a bit more athletic and you know I was faced with these uncomfortable feelings of feeling like oh maybe I'm a bit maybe I'm a bit big maybe I shouldn't look like this Whereas when I'm just at home chilling with my cats, you know, I'm kind of just happy <laughs> just being me. So, you know, there, there are these, it's, you know, sometimes we are confronted, you know, w- in terms of our body and how we perceive it. So how can people listening to this podcast who are struggling with their body image, whatever size they are, work through finding more love for themselves? Yeah. And, and and to your point on that is that that relates so much to how body image has got really nothing to do with what size you are. It's all about the internal game. It's what you're thinking and feeling and believing about yourself rather than what is actually presenting. Because I've had very similar body image um, hangups and I'm not a big person. Like I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm not a big person genetically. I'm small burned. Um, I come from a small burned family, like, you know, but I still have those same body image hangups. Oh, you know, I should be doing this and my stomach shouldn't look like that. And I shouldn't feel like this or whatever it is, but it's not about what your body looks like. It's about the perception of you that you have of yourself and your body. And for me, yoga has been such an incredible tool for shifting that mindset, shifting that perception of myself so much. So, and I'm also, we mentioned, I mentioned this on the, on the, on the last podcast, but it almost, when I, when I speak up like this, it makes me feel like, Oh, a little bit of shame because I shouldn't be feeling this because I'm, I'm not a big person. So people will look at me and go, oh, but she's not a big person. So how could she possibly be feeling and thinking like this? But that is exactly the point is that body image doesn't, it's not related to what you look like. It's how you feel about yourself and how you think about yourself, which is what body image, you know, what body image is. But for me, yoga has been such a powerful tool in helping shift that. And I can honestly look at myself and kind of whatever stage I'm on and just love on myself for where I'm at and know that it's it's completely cyclical and there's seasons to your life, there's seasons to your body and just being so much more at peace with where I am and, and where I am in my own skin. And I think it, it comes down to, to, to slowing down, to being mindful, to being present in your own body rather than trying to escape it or trying to um, shun it through physical exercise or through eating or restricting calories or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think additionally, I'd like to add is that coming back to this concept of the model of the world, which we talked about in the very beginning, is that our model of the world, which is essentially the lens through which we filter information, is formed across our lifetime. And it's it's been programmed by what we've experienced and what we've heard and what we felt and the different things that may have happened across our lifetime to inform our beliefs about the way that things should be or should not be and what we believe to be true about ourselves or other people. And social media has such a big, I think it has a bigger influence on us than what we even realize. And 
you know, I think you and I, we both grew up in a time, I think we got through most of our teenage, teenage years before social media hit. So I'm so grateful for that. But we're being programmed a lot by the media and it's influencing us on an unconscious level. And so every single word, every single image, every single thing that we're experienced to is being held within the conscious and the unconscious mind. And therefore, we, we may be doing things or feeling things that we're not conscious of, but we may also be doing things or experiencing things that we are conscious of. So the first thing to maybe think about is uh, what can we consciously take power of? Of what can we consciously take control of? We've spoken in the past about you know taking responsibility, taking ownership, and in doing so, we take our power back. And so a really great place to start is just starting to become aware of the language you use with yourself. And, you know, just like you said, that relationship with yourself is one of the most important relationships that we have. And I know a lot of people feel really uncomfortable when we talk about positive affirmations or positive self-talk because it can sometimes feel like a little bit fakey. But just starting to really become aware of how you talk to yourself and noticing when you're maybe looking in the mirror and telling yourself bad things or, you know, this needs to be smaller or that needs to be tighter or whatever it may be. And if you notice yourself doing that, just replace it with something positive. And, and that's what I do. Since I got back from the yoga teacher training, if I find myself falling into that trap, I just look at myself in the mirror and go, you are beautiful. You are lovely. <laughs> and, and just like to kind of almost like stop that negative self-talk in its tracks. No, I think, and the more you you start to do that, you might then start to notice that your behaviors will then start to change. It'd be like, well, if I'm beautiful and lovely and amazing, maybe I do want to take better care of this vessel that my soul is in. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the exercises that I have put into the member site for the next round is this rampage of worthiness. And I've been doing it for the past 10 days now. And Warren is very intrigued. He, he's like, what do you, what do you keep writing about? Because I've been doing it religiously for, for the last 10 days. Um, I try and do it in the morning, but if I don't get it in the morning, then I do it at night. And I've been doing a page of writing worthiness things to myself. So I am worthy. I am, I am belong. I feel supported and just kind of going on every day it's maintained the same thread but some days there's a little bit of a shift and what I've actually done a step further to that is that this is going to sound so loopy but go with it guys Um, I've actually recorded one of the pages that I wrote I just take a page in my journal and I write it out and I've actually video recorded or not video recorded voice noted read me reading out this this positive and worthiness page to myself and at night before I go to sleep I listen to it in my ears and it's like you talking to yourself and we do that on a subconscious level all the time so making it conscious can help to trigger that unconscious belief as well so it's not that weird it's not that weird (laughs) so so anyway yeah exactly you're doing it anyway just now you're aware of it but just on a on a to play devil's advocate I suppose do you think that there is a danger of the self-love landslide I would say you know you go into these things where you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling just so loved with myself and my body doesn't feel like working out today. I'm just going to eat chocolate because I love myself and sit on the couch and watch a movie. Yeah, that feels really juicy and yummy. And then next day comes and, you, oh, yeah, I feel just really nice just to sit down and cozy in. And yeah, I'm going to order a pizza because that makes me feel good. And do you think that there's a, there's a 
a danger of kind of letting that just landslide into just an unhealthy life. Yes and no. So I actually have had this conversation with a client before when we were talking about intuitive eating or eating with love. And she said, well, if I just eat with love, I'm just going to have chocolate all the time and get fat. And, you know, kind of exactly what you've described. But I, and my response was, no, that's not true. Because I think if you're really connecting to your body and connecting to your heart and connecting to your soul, it doesn't want to just eat chocolate and pizza and watch movies. Your body wants to experience life. And that means it wants to experience all things. And one of those things is health and movement and veggies and green things and chocolate and a glass of wine and human connection and sleeping, (laughs) getting enough sleep, but also waking up and enjoying that feeling when you're just covered in sweat and you have that sense of achievement after a good workout. So I think is that, um, when we think that, Oh, if I love myself too much, I'll get nothing done. I don't think that's true because our body has desires on all levels. And we, even though sometimes we, we say, Oh, you don't want to like maybe always be so achievement orientated. We do want to achieve and we will get satisfaction from achieving. You know, that's, that's part of being human. So I believe at least that when you, when you, when you really are tuning in and connected, you will be able to honor your body and its needs and those needs will serve you to the highest level. I agree with that completely. I think where the danger comes in is that so many of those things like alcohol, like excess sugar, like all those things can take you out of the connection with yourself. Hmm. So I think that's the tricky trip switch. Like, uh, for me, this is a personal thing. I know when I when I uh, have been drinking, or I wear, if I've, I have a glass of wine, or if I, I'm less dis- I'm I'm less connected to myself, and I can go in this like little kind of mental state of oh no, but I love myself, and it's because of this, so I'm just going to be easy and on myself or whatever, have another glass of wine, and it can it can quickly snowball. So yeah, I think I think it's about you have to really be conscious of what you're doing. And yeah, see if you can maintain that level of awareness of yourself. Yeah. And so again, back to my little bit of root chakra information, seeing as I'm all root chakra up at the moment, is um, in Anadea Judah's book, Eastern Body, Western Mind, which I referred to the other day, she says that for the root chakra, we have to accept limitation. So, and this comes back to this idea of boundaries. If something is limited and we have boundaries, we're creating containment and then the energy can move up. And so that's where the limitation and the boundaries come in is because it's like, yeah, for, for sure. Like I went out for dinner last night with a friend. It was a really nice restaurant. I had a glass of wine. It was lovely, but I didn't need to. I didn't need three. I didn't need four. There was a boundary. There was a limitation there. And it enabled me to enjoy the glass of wine, enjoy the food, and then still maintain that connection with myself. And so I think that there is this, people think like the more spiritual we become and the more connected we become, it's like caution to the wind, freedom. But in order to, we need both. So we we have to have this upward current, which is letting go and becoming more free. But we also need this downward current, which is manifesting, holding our ground and, and having the discipline to accept limitation. And that is balance. 
I, I gave this analogy to the, a young one of the kids yogas that I see and we were talking about root chakra and I said to her, imagine that you have a balloon in your hand and this balloon is filled with helium and it wants to rise up and this balloon is like your soul and it's like your purpose and if you're standing outside with this balloon in your hand, it's your purpose and it really wants its purpose in this current setting is to decorate your garden. If you let this balloon go where's it going to go? It's going to go all the way up to the sky and it's going to float off. And that's, as you were saying, as someone who's in that super, super spiritual, like, woo, woo, life is great, floats up to the clouds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the way up. But let's say you take a big stone and you tie a stone at the bottom of this balloon and you put the stone down in the garden, which is the root chakra. It's the grounding. It's a sense of, of stuff, material stuff. Once that stone's down on the ground, that balloon is rising up to its fullest, highest potential and it's able to serve its purpose of decorating the garden because it's got that sense of rooting and grounding. So, mm. yeah. I love that analogy. I wish I yeah. had already recorded my training. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can always refer to kombucha and color. Always refer back, yeah. And thank you guys for listening. Anything else you want to add, Anna? No, I, I think we've done well. Um, so thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you again next week. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week. Hello, it's Anna here, and I was just wondering, are you living with embarrassing digestive symptoms that you consider to be normal just because you've been tolerating them for so long and you have no idea how you can fix them? Perhaps you suffer from hormonal imbalances or skin problems, low energy, foggy brain, or stubborn belly fat that just won't shift. As a functional medicine practitioner, I always say health starts in the gut. We are not just what we eat, but we are what our gut bacteria eat. So I created the Beat the Bloat Digestive Reset, a 28-day elimination program to help women get to the bottom of their digestive symptoms while rebalancing their mood, their energy, their weight, and their hormones. For just £37, you can download your Beat the Bloat guide and be part of our Facebook community and receive my support. All you have to do is head over to resetmygut.com forward slash join and you can get started. That's resetmygut.com forward slash join.